0: Hello Habit Mechanics, it's Dr John Finn here. I hope you're having a fantastic week so far. Welcome to a shorter episode of the Habit Mechanic podcast. Remember, you can listen to live episodes of the Habit Mechanic podcast inside the Habit Mechanic University app where you can ask us questions live and we will answer you during the live streamed podcast. Inside the app, you can also access your habit mechanic toolkit. You can also watch our live master classes and join our live change challenge coaching sessions. You can download the app for free.
1: It's very interesting and, and powerful stuff. Is there? I mean, you've worked with it's in, you know the best of the best, some of the most high performing individuals and athletes in both sport and business, is there habits you see these people still struggle with that they do change? And do these high-performing people, do they continue to work on their
0: habits? I think all the best people um, are working on themselves all the time. Mm -hmm. That's very clear. But I think the challenge then is, is that when I become a, a coach, how do I get other people to do that? How do I get others to do it as well? And the in very simple language, you know, the carrot and the stick systems that we might have been able to use 10 years ago, even five years ago, don't work anymore. Mm-hmm. So the more that I the more I can understand it's like, you know, having mechanic is deliberate. It's like if the if the car mechanic doesn't understand the first principle mechanisms of how engines work, they won't be able to fix it it doesn't matter whether it's a new engine or an old engine, This, this, the, the fundamental principles are the same of how engines work. As coaches, as leaders, no one taught us the first principles of how human beings work, of why we do what we do, because we didn't really understand that. There's a story in the book, just to put this into context, the, one of the first stories about Roger Bannister. Roger Bannister was the first person to run a sub-four-minute mile. He did it in the 1940s. When Roger Bannister was training to do that, he was actually a medical, uh, he was training to be a medical doctor at Oxford University in the UK. And not only that, he was actually a research scholar at Oxford University as well. And his research was interested in the role of oxygen in distance running. So he had people in the laboratories on treadmills in using technologies that are familiar to us today on a treadmill measuring oxygen input, carbon dioxide Mm -hmm. output. He was doing that in the 1940s and he was using that research then to inform how he trained because he understood he had to get better at conserving oxygen. So he he changed his running style, he changed his training habits, all informed by that research. And we've seen how that type of science has been used especially over the last 20 years to really supercharge how we physically condition ourselves. But when we come to the human behavior side of things, how we think, our psychology, we've only been able to look inside the human brain for about twenty-five years or so. Never mind make sense of what we've seen sure. in there. So, in the nineteen forties, Roger Bannister was able to look inside the human body almost physiologically, like you know we can today, and that's why you know physiology, the physiological sciences, are about seventy years ahead of where the psychological sciences are. Most of the established uh, psychological frameworks that we use are from about a hundred years ago. And then maybe some of the more recent ones are maybe from the sixties. They will not designed with any inclination, any sophisticated understanding of how brains actually work. If you spoke to the top neuroscientists in the world, 25 years ago, they were fairly compelled that when we stop physically growing, our brains stop changing in any substantial way. And of course, one of the major findings that's come out of functional MRI scanners is neuroplasticity. Brains are changing all the time. Yeah. So you got written off. If you, if you stopped physically growing when you were 16, that was it. There we, you got what you've got now, kid. You're, either, you're <laughs> either good at this or you're not good at it, and that's your lot. Now we know that brains are not fully matured if we're med until we're 25 years old. And the cleverest part of the brain, the prefrontal cortex is the last part of the brain to wire for females about a year ahead. So what we've understood about from neuroscience is really changed a lot of what we thought about why humans do what they do and, and their fundamental basic abilities. And I, I think that the habit mechanic and the tougher minds approach is the first approach to pull all that together mm-hmm. in a really user-friendly, practical way Way, whether you're an individual who wants to be at your best more often, and, or you're a leader who wants to actually help yourself to be able to influence and create great cultures at a team level or an organizational level. So we're just at the start of the journey of applying these, these insights into um, our day to day. And it, it's taken me three, I've got three degrees, three psychology related degrees, including a PhD. And I, I'd say the have a mechanic book easily took me over 20 years to write.
1: How, how different are superpower or super habits from individual to individual? Or are there a few things that we can all do or try to make habits in our life to perform better in whatever?
0: Yeah, doing? well, everyone is unique and nothing that we ever teach is prescriptive. So we say, here's the toolkit. Here are some ways to analyze yourself. Go try and test some tools. Here's how to create a habit building plan. Go try these out and you're going to learn what what become, what become works best for you. But I think yeah, in my experience, I mean, let's just start with some real basic stuff. If your brain isn't working well, you're not going to be able to do anything well in your life. And brains don't work well if you're not sleeping properly, mm-hmm. if you're not eating properly, if you're not exercising properly. You know, often we think about diet for fat and for body image. The first thing you need to think about your diet for is to get your brain working well. So are you getting enough fatty acids into your brain? And typically in our Western diets, we lack uh, omega-3 fatty acids. Are you getting enough complex carbohydrates into the system? Because that's the main fuel for your brain. Are you putting enough antioxidants into your body? Because they allow your brain to clear out things. And... When we think about sleep, we think about length. Did I get my hours? It's not about eight hours or ten hours or five hours. It's about quality sleep. Mm-hmm. It's about getting into non-REM cycles. Are you accumulating enough exercise every day? We are. When we move around, we release a protein in our brain called BDNF, which is like miracle growth for our brain. It's like manure for your brain cells. Mm-hmm. They allow your brain to grow new neurobiological connections because uh, if we look at our grandparents' generation, just because of the way they lived their life, they were getting about an hour's extra quality sleep per night compared to what we get. Wow. If we go back to London 100 years ago, um, and probably any major city in the Western world, people on average were walking 10 miles a day. So our, the, what, our sort of daily sleep-down exercise habits have changed dramatically, and all of a sudden – we got a pandemic where we were forced into lockdown. So even, you know, most people had pretty poor sleep and exercise habits oh, yeah. three years ago compared to what they used to look like a hundred years ago. And they've dramatically got worse in the last uh, three or two years. I can't remember how long ago the pandemic happened now. because Like three years ago happening. now or something like that. Is there um,
1: a little off topic, but I hear you say a lot about are as humans we are designed to walk 12 miles a day do you know or is there has there been data out there about how the average human walks or moves per day
0: not 10 miles well not 12 miles no yeah. i mean that's what that's why i was saying is some people now are telling me that they're not leaving the house for a week mm-hmm. because at least before people had to go the door to go to work you know, walking is included in exercise. Yeah. It's the most basic exercise that we do.
1: Yeah, it's great. I might
0: walk around. That. We know that, you know, most people in the UK, for example, know and actually agree it's a good idea to walk 10,000 steps a day. Mm-hmm. Most people are not doing that.
1: No. And I think that's a great baseline too, 10,000 steps, if you can get there. Is there a time frame? Because this is kind of back to like the willpower and the discipline. Is this... Is there a time frame of when you take an action, something that you're changing, and it actually becomes a habit? Is there something you say you need to do for 30 days or sixty days?
0: Until it becomes a habit consolidated absolutely. No. I think we need to debunk the myth that you can build a better habit in twenty one days. Okay. because habits are really complex. I think you know, some habits we're trying to build, like my core habit. I've already got a lot of wiring for that in my brain, so I can reestablish it much faster than 21 days, in fact. Other habits, like getting better at uh, the way I speak to myself, maybe I've been practicing the way I speak to myself for the last 20 years. So unraveling that's gonna take some time and some effort. What we know is that we get good at what we practice. Because when we practice something, we move, so we pay attention to something, we move it from our short-term memory. Our short-term memory can only hold, something for about 30 seconds. So if you don't repeat the idea of um, habit mechanic intelligence in the next 30 seconds, and I've already re- repeated that a few times. So here's another concept. Um, if you don't repeat the idea um, of the T plan, T stands for Tiny Empowering Action. So This is the, the chapter one, two, takes two minutes a day. You can, uh, I, it saves me at least an hour per day. That's the main thing people post in the Habit Mechanic University app is their T plan. If you don't repeat the the T acronym within 30 seconds, you're probably gonna forget it, right? That's the way our short-term memory works. And our short-term memory can only hold about five or, five to seven bits of information at a time, which I've probably put into most people's short-term memories just then. So this is how learning happens. If you repeat the T plan, I'll do it for you now, Tiny Empowering Action, Tiny Empowering Action, Tiny Empowering Action, you're starting to move into your long-term memory and physically in your brain, you're growing some new neurobiological connections for it. Tiny Empowering Action, mm-hmm. Tiny in Action. And those cobwe- those those connections start off like um, cobwebs. And the more you repeat Tiny in Action, Tiny Empowering Action, that's the T plan, the more you strengthen the connections. So that's how brains work. So we get good at what we practice, but equally, you could get really good at just knowing what tiny power in action is. Then mm-hmm. if you don't do anything with it for six months, yeah. the neurons die and they they disappear. It's like when you were at elementary school or primary school, if you're in the UK, you knew everyone's name in your class, but now you don't because the neurons that you had for those names, they've died, they've disappeared, they've mm-hmm. been pruned. So we are learning. So this idea that if you just practice something for 21, 21 days, it's a habit, doesn't make sense because if for the next 21 days you'd stop practicing it, it won't be a habit anymore. So the rule to apply is you get good at what you practice for better and for worse. So if you're practicing beating yourself up every day, you're getting better at that. <laughs> if you're practicing, you know, going for your morning run for the next 21 days, you're gonna get better at that. Then if you don't practice it for 21 days, so our brain is changing all the time. What are some of the most common destructive habits? Beating myself up too much. Um, I think you know finishing work late is a is a is a really a good one. Drinking too much, you know, mm-hmm. alcohol is a toxin. Yeah, I'm just gonna have one glass of wine and then it's the bottle, and then I don't sleep very well. You know, so doing these things that a lot of the destructive habits are things that we do to re- to relieve short term gratification to make us feel good in the short term. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, they're destructive for us in the long term. Just staying up a little bit later to watch this next episode mm-hmm. of the Chippendales, the drama on Disney, whatever you're watching at the moment, or the, <laughs> or the Crown on Netflix. But then you don't sleep. So, uh, because our brain is designed for shot is designed for short-term gratification, mm-hmm. and it's easier than ever to do that. So they they're, they often link back to and, and it might feel counterintuitive but beating yourself up is about a short term gratification idea because it's your brain making you aware of a potential threat or a problem
1: mm-hmm.
0: which we describe in our lighthouse brain model so these negative things that we do they have a survival function um, which feels counterintuitive as to why we prioritise doing them
1: yeah and that's like you talk about drinking or like people take medication or whatever, a lot of times that is a short-term feeling that they're chasing. Is there, You, I've heard you speak a lot about social media, and I know that's newer, but how, how is social media impacting our habits and, and more specifically our, our destructive habits?
0: Yeah, well, if you practice using social media, then you're building a habit for that. Mm-hmm. So our ability to, there's only 24 hours in a day, that's all we've got. It's like a barcode instead of black and white lines, think of red and blue lines. The blue lines represent times in the day where we're doing and thinking things that are making it easier for us to be healthy, happy and at our best. The red lines represent times in the day where we are thinking and doing things that make it more difficult for us to be healthy, happy and at our best. Now, some of our time on social media might be a blue line. That might be a good habit. Some of our time on social media is probably a red line. Mm-hmm. So it's working out um, what's helpful for you and what's not helpful. So, you know, people will become will be getting overly stressed because of what they're seeing and doing on social media, which then stops them sleeping properly. Some people's time on social media will mean that they're not as productive as they want to be, making progress on the challenging work we need to do every day to make us feel good about ourselves. So, you know, it's, it's idiosyncratic, but there's only 24 hours in a day and I'm sure more people than ever before are spending more time on social media. Mm-hmm. So what did you used to do with that time? What were you doing before? Because it didn't exist 15 years ago. So you do, you, you weren't checking social media, you were doing something else.
1: Yeah.